Hello and welcome to the Midlands Football Show, brought to you by Frost International. I'm Alex Wood, and again, I am joined by Mr Harry Tizard. You are indeed. Miss Nikita Henschel-Gomes. Hello. And Mr George Wilson. Hello, Alex, and I'm going to ask this week, how are you? I am perfectly <laughs> fine, thank you. Thank you for asking me. Um, and next week, Harry, it's your turn. It's your turn to ask me right. how, how I'm doing, Harry. <laughs> What I'll do is I'll specifically introduce you last next week, Harry, so that you right. can ask me how, how I'm doing, all right? <laughs> and it'll be a one, one each week. We'll see who asks me. I'm fine. Thank you, George. Thank you um, there. Uh, we are very much happy. We're very much involved. We're very much ready to talk about this week's Midlands action across all of the world and across the different levels of league. I'll say world because obviously it was an international break. And there were some Midlands players, as we discussed in last week's pod, involved in the England squad. Um, now, England obviously um, did what they normally do in qualifiers and handled business with a 5-0 win over San Marino and a 2-0 win over Albania. Um, yes, those scores seem entirely predictable because they were. And nothing really interesting happened in either England game, apart from Midlands players playing and Midlands players scoring as well. Ollie Watkins getting his debut goal against San Marino. So, how do we think Ollie Watkins did? And is he on the plane in the summer? Well, I think when it comes to Watkins, he is. Um, he was the story that came out of that San Marino game with a goal on his debut. And he only featured off the bench, of course. I think some Villa fans were hopeful that he could be given a chance from the start, given um, the size of the opposition. But I thought he did very well off the bench. His goal was very well taken. Um, but I think he also received praise after the game for the humility that he showed um, in his post-match interview. Um, and it's great, I think, to see a player who seems to really feel very privileged to play for England. And I think those are the sort of players that you want in the squad. So I think he's made a really good impression so far. I think it was great. He was so, so humble and you could see that it meant so much to him and I'm just glad. The other one that we should probably discuss is Wolves captain Connor Cody, who also um, took probably every English lad's boyhood dream and uh, got the armband of England when Raheem Sterling went off as a substitute. We should discuss that because obviously Connor Cody um, is a remarkable story and We've seen him on Monday Night Football. We've seen him all over the place. He just looks like a really nice guy. I think he's just the ultimate professional, everyone. After, what, a handful of England caps, he's already been given the captain's armband over multiple different players that could have got it. So I think it, it just shows, like you said, how he is that model professional. And you've seen it playing for Wolves from going into the Championship through to the Premier League, hardly missed a minute. And I think he he's certainly going to be on the plane. Yeah, I think, as you say there, Harry, he's... His leadership qualities really shine through both for Wolves, but also for England. And I think it's maybe something that the England squad lacks a little bit. I think Kane is likely to go into the tournament as captain. But in terms of understudies, there aren't too many. So I think that will boost his chances. Um, I just want to touch on Watkins as well before we move on. Um, we know that Jack Grealish is very close to a return from injury. And you asked Alex... Um, what chances Watkins got of getting on that plane or maybe not on the plane because, as we know, a lot of the games are going to be played in the UK, but getting in the squad. And I think Grealish returning from injury is only going to help Watkins in terms of his chances um, because if that pair can link up for Villa 
in the last few games of the season, then Southgate is only going to look at that and think, well, they can surely do that for England as well. And we know with Southgate as well, he's an ex-Villa player. So there's maybe that soft spot there too. So I think he's definitely got a good chance. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason. He's already got 10 goals in his debut Premier League season. I know Bamford's people are saying that he should probably get a chance. You know, he's got 13 goals and you can look at Wilson, who's got 10, but then he's been injured all season and he's been out of the England squad. And looking at Jesse Lingard, he's the only person under Gareth Southgate that I can see has recovered their place after a bad patch of form. And he's done it quite well, despite the fact that that's, that's not a... a area that we're talking about but yeah I think there's a definite chance because the more interlinks in the squad you can get you know the better chances that you'll get on the field and hopefully Grealish will be fully fit coming into the Euros because that is one player that is I'd say guaranteed a place if he's fully fit but I do think Watkins he does have to look over his shoulder because there are plenty of players that are vying for that third striker spot I'm not going to say he's going to play a lot of minutes because Kane will get to be the first choice then it'll be Calvert-Lewin and then he'll you know, Watkins might play the Welbeck role that only gets 20 minutes in a major tournament, but that's more, that's 20 minutes more than a lot of other English strikers. So it's still, good, it's still a good role to play. And like we mentioned Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck is like a cult hero in England, in like recent English football history. <laughs> yeah. He's come off the bench and scored two goals. Like he's mm. unbelievable in terms of, like, that's where that guy, Danny Welbeck came from. That guy, Welbs came from him, him coming on and scoring absolute goals. So can we have uh, that guy, Ole Watkins, and then us through to the semi-final of the, of the European Championship? The other one that um, we should mention from a Midlands Premier League club that got picked for the England squad is Sam Johnston. Obviously, he didn't play a minute, but for the fact that he was actually in the squad and there is superb for West Bromwich Albion and for the young goalkeeper's future. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... It's pretty clear that Southgate has used this international break to sort of test out Nick Pope, who's probably more in the running for that number one shirt than Johnston. But as you say there, Alex, the fact that he's been called up is testament to him um, and testament to the work that he's done this year, despite West Brom's struggles. Um, But he should still aspire to be in that squad for the Euros. I think his hopes would probably get a bit of a boost if West Brom were to finish the season with a bit of a flourish, you know, relegation looks very, very likely. Um, But if they were to finish the season with a few points, um, that could maybe help his cause. We obviously don't know um, in terms of Pickford, how long he's going to be out for. I imagine it it shouldn't be too long. So it might be tough for him. But I think there's definitely a chance he makes that. Well, I think a spell in the England national setup will also help West Brom because no offence, uh, Dianya and Robson Carnu and the other Westwood Shelby strikers, but when you're facing players like Kane in training, that's only going to step up his level for when he goes back to Westwood Albion. Do I think he's going to make the three, as in the three goalkeepers? No, I don't, but it will certainly help him improve for the future and probably help his cause to get back into the Premier League next season because he's had a phenomenal season and a team that will probably get relegated, uh, sadly, from a West Brom perspective. So I could see him getting another move. Uh, moving on to the actual league football that happened this week, because during international week, weeks, we missed the Premier League, we missed the Championship, but the rest of the EFL keeps on churning. Uh, league 1 <laughs> and 2 obviously happened um, on Tuesday, the 23rd of March. We had um, fixtures for Burton Albion, Mansfield and Walsall. Um, Burton lost 2-1 to Shrewsbury. Mansfield drew 0-0, as did Walsall. They drew 0-0 with Southend. We'll discuss more on that result uh, in a minute. Um, and on Saturday, um, we had 
Port Vale win 3-1 against Crawley Town. Grimsby draw one all with Walsall again. And Mansfield again drawing one all. So where I will li- I would really like to start, lads, is Burton Albion. As I discussed there on Tuesday, um, they lost 2-1 um, to Shrewsbury Town. Um, what's going on at Burton? Well, I, know, I know they've only played one game since we last um, recorded one of these. But yeah, 2-1 undefeated to Shrewsbury, um, which means they've had back-to-back home defeats now, the Brewers. Um, so they're now five points above the bottom four. So... Hasselbank's honeymoon period um, is probably over. But I think the building blocks that he's put in place since coming in still put them in a good position um, to finish the season well and definitely avoid relegation. Um, in the 14 matches since he took over, Burton have kept seven clean sheets. So this is only a mini blip for me. I think there should be a chance for them, hopefully over the Easter weekend, to get another positive result and just secure that safety. Yeah, look, they, they got action to their next game. We've lost four in their last five and come off the back of a 7-0 loss to Peterborough. So if there's any time to get back into form, it would be then. But they are looking dangerous. Oh, sorry, in danger. I know Swindon and Northampton have both played more games than them who are below them. But like you said, they're only five points clear. I think this result definitely serves as a reminder that survival is not yet secure for Burton. Yep. Uh, 100%. The next thing um, I'd really like to discuss, and uh, you guys can interject and um, tell me that I'm I'm wrong or, or, or silly, um, is I'd like to talk about um, Walsall in League Two, um, jumping around all the different uh, teams in the leagues there. Um, I'd really love to, to discuss them because their last win was in January the 23rd. They only have an interim manager. We've mentioned all this on, on, on previous podcasts. We've mentioned how Walsall are a little bit of the, the, the wild club in that league to relegation race. And they could be in danger. They might be safe. They might not be safe. We go backwards and forwards on them. But they still are managerless. Like they've only got an interim head coach. And then to draw against South End and draw against Grimsby Town this week is major, major issues for that side. Yeah, well, I think we mentioned on last week's show when it came to Walsall that those two games against the league's um, bottom two clubs were going to be vital and were going to, you know, kind of shape their position going into the latter stages. And ultimately, they've come out of those two games with two points, so unbeaten. But I think realistically, they needed to win one of those games just to to properly benefit from that period. Um for the South End game, they failed to capitalise when South End went down to 10 men. Um, they had 20 minutes to go with an extra man, didn't manage to score. And then they only managed to draw at Blundell Park. Um, I should mention there was an excellent header from Cowlin Lavery there. I think I pronounced that right. Correct me if I'm wrong, Walsall fans. Um, but that's only his sixth league goal of the season, which says a lot because I, I think Lavery is normally a bit more prolific than that. Um, but yeah, a bit concerning to not collect a result. So, again, for Walsall, the Easter weekend will be big. Now, I'm just looking at the manager position, like Alex said. The thing is, who who's going to want to take over? I know they've played less games than Colchester, but more than Barrow, and less than both Southend and Grimsby, or the same amount as Grimsby. But with only a few weeks left, or six, seven, eight games left of the season. It's not an enticing manager role to take because if they don't win any of the next three or four and they maybe drop into that relegation battle, 
you know, they're only going to be able to get a manager maybe for the next few months. So I think the interim one is, you know, that's the best they're probably going to be able to get. Yeah, and um, Brian Dutton, the interim head coach there, he, he said after that Grimsby game that he really wants to take advantage of the fact that Walsall have got a full week now before their next game, um, which, you know, is a rarity this season in particular because they've been cramming those games into midweeks. So this week, They've just got the Friday game and then obviously the one on Monday. But I think he's trying to get a whole load of prep so that they're really ready for that game against Harrogate. Harrogate have um, lost their last three games. So it's a big chance to get a result. Um, but also just need to show a bit more conviction, I think. And maybe they can get those, that three points. Yep. Now that's all sorted down at Warsaw. There is definitely trouble in times with them. Um, as George and Harry have both mentioned, um, the relegation struggle down there is an issue and they need a lot more goals from somewhere um, with them only being six points off. But if they're going to find somewhere, it's going to be a big circle at Harrogate Town um, and we will discuss that after the Easter break. What we will also discuss after this break is the rest of League Two. to part two of the Midlands football show. Uh, before I restart with the football in action, I am going to do some bureaucratic plugging of our social media, which is um, on Twitter with the at sign of Midlands FS Pod. That is Midlands FS Pod. There you can go and find out all of the updates that um, me, George, Harry and Nikita put on and um, then just do it. It's a, it's a really good laugh and we're, we're all really fun over there. And obviously you get to stay up to date with when the podcasts come on online and on air. Um, and the person that runs that social media account is an absolute guru and genius at it. Don't reveal who it is, Alex. Don't reveal who it is. <laughs> they, have to, they have to follow to find that out. So. They absolutely do. Um, and trust me, it's not me. Um, all I am is a leading voice on this podcast. I'm not a social media guru. I'm an idiot on social media. Um, you can also follow each of us if you want on our social medias. Um, and what we'll do um, is I'll let everyone at the end of the show um, in their goodbyes, tell them their own Twitter handle so that you can go and do that. So you have to stay to the end of the show if you want to follow George, Harry and Nikita on Twitter. Okay? Yeah, brilliant. Moving on then to actual football. Port Vale, they won a game again. It's amazing. They are now on hot form. We were really worried about them on our first ever episode of the show. And I feel like since the birth of this podcast has been going through, Vale have also been rising in amazement. Thoughts, everybody, on Port Vale and their resurgence. I mean, I think it's great. That's, what now, three consecutive wins. And I think it's safe to say, maybe it's us. Maybe, maybe we're... <laughs> like, I don't know, but um, I think... I think it's safe to say that they are edging towards survival. Yeah, I think Daryl Clark has seemingly turned it around eventually. Um, in that win at Crawley Town, there were two very nice finishes um, for the first two goals. One from Tom, Tom Conlon, the other from Nathan Smith. And then David Worrell took advantage of a defensive mix-up at the end to seal it. Um, but Daryl Clark, he said that the quality is now starting to show in that squad. Um, it's maybe taken them longer than he would have liked, but it is starting to show. They're getting some results. Um, I'd say they probably need 
one more win, maybe two, and then they can be certain of survival. So yeah, it's looking good for them at the moment. Yeah, I'd say I'd say absolute most because they're only nine points above relegation, and the bottom two. I mean, did Southend yeah, win on the weekend? Do. I might be wrong yeah. in saying that, but I thought so. But I can't see either of those two picking up that many points until the end of the season. I might be wrong because I think there's eight games and seven remaining for the um, for maybe Southend, or eight remaining for one and nine remaining for the other. But yeah, I think I think they're more than they should be more than safe and should be looking forward to another season in League Two. And they face um, they face playoff chasing Exeter at the weekend as well, which would normally be a fairly daunting fixture. But as we said, given the form they're in, they will surely be going into that thinking we can beat these. And I, I would be very surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they did go and win. So. Yeah, well, I think I think it's also a good leveler to test for next season. If they can battle with the playoff, you know, battling side themselves, they might be going into next season thinking we don't have to fight relegation next season. We might be in that top eight, top nine, because that's probably what they were aiming for at the start of this season before it all went horrendously wrong. So, yeah, I think Port Vale that now because they're safe or all but safe, like I said, they can look forward to an, another season where it might be a bit more positive for them. Yeah, and the more wins, the more wins they get. The more, uh, the more hopeful they'll become of, as you say, Harry, a push for promotion next year. Yeah, especially since, like, when you look at what Exeter have managed to do this season against the back five, um, they've really struggled when they've come up against teams that play a back five formation, and that's what um, Vale have switched to since they got beat by Cheltenham, um, which was actually the fixture that we covered on our first um, weekend of like the, um, the podcast. And since then, they've switched to a back five or a back three formation. And it has actually worked wonders for, for Vale because they don't have the quickest centre-backs in the world. So that extra little bit of cover has really worked in, in terms of a counter-attacking team, which um, they, I think, are trying to turn themselves into. And um, I don't know how much it would work in League Two, but um, as everyone has said there, um, survival is imminent for Port Vale. And hopefully where they should be looking to and should have been looking to this season and many fans hoped they would look into this season, playoff chasing next year. We will move on to the final team that normally I I have a little bit of a, a reg on and I, I, I beef with them a little bit at the end of the show every single every single episode. I normally say, yeah, we finished with Mansfield in League Two because they're the boring team and we, we don't really like talking about them. But they've actually managed to ball themselves into interesting, interesting <laughs> situation. Um, it is a strange, strange situation down in Mansfield. Um, now, especially with them drawing yet again. Um, two wins since January, four draws on the trot. What's going on? Well, I think Mansfield are certainly League Two's draw specialists. We should mention Walsall are on the same number too. So Walsall definitely fall into that category too. Um, but what I should say is that there was nothing boring about the goal that Stephen Quinn scored for the Stags on Saturday at Tramir. Um, if, you, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, it was a fantastic volley. It came over to him just inside the box and he lashed it into the corner with his left foot. Um, really, it deserved a crowd in there to receive it. But you can see from the reaction of the Mansfield players just how good a goal it was. So there's, all, there's, uh, there's still a bit of fire left in the old legs of Stephen Quinn yet. Um, but, yeah, I think Clough has certainly made Mansfield um, hard to beat since coming in. Um, but he's another manager who, on Saturday, said that they need to show a bit more 
conviction in front of goal. Um, and I think that is what they've been lacking of late, hence their lack of wins. I'm just looking at them as a club overall because I was going into this thinking, you know, what have Mansfield done in the last 10 years? And I looked at their statistics and the 18-19 season was their best season. They finished fourth and I believe it was Tyler Walker. He got 22 goals that season. He was a big reason why they did that. But other than that, in the seven years they've been in League Two since their promotion for the conference, they finished Fourth, like I said, but 21st, 8th, 12th, 21st, 11th. They're just, uh, it must be frustrating because there doesn't seem to be any progression from when they went from the conference to League Two, then up to League One. Because you look at teams like Luton, you look at teams like Lincoln, uh, they're teams that have gone from the conference and really pushed on from when they did it. And at least with Lincoln now this season, they might be going to the championship next season. But this season, Jordan Barry, only, he's only got 10 goals. So they don't have a lethal player. Jamie Reid, who they signed, has only got five goals. So they, like, like you said, they need to be more inventive or be more interesting because I know they're hard to beat, but that's normally a nice way of pushing. They're not very interesting to watch. So, I, th- I think they need to try and do more next season. Like you said, 17 draws. That's more than any, equal to Warsaw. But apart from that, more than anyone in the top seven divisions of football in England, which is crazy. So just a, just an extra goal here or there. And it pushes them right up the table. So I think they're only 13 points outside the playoffs, which doesn't seem too mental. But just turn, th- what, four games into wins out of those 17 and you're right up there. Thing is, though, Harry, you, you mentioned there their their need to sort of progress and really aim for that promotion to League One. Do you think Nigel Clough is the man to take them there, given his past successes with Burton Albion, or do you think maybe he's not the man? Oh no, hundred percent. I do think he he can be that person, but you can't you can't go all the way up there with Jaws. I know he's. I think this season's a good foundation for him because he's solidified what was a bit of a a topsy-turvy season. He's made sure they're going to be in League 2 for this season. I just think when you're in a division for seven or eight years, you do have to at least make it look like you're having that push. And I do think that is possible because of the wonders that he did on Bur- at Burton with a very you know, shoestring budget. And if you do it there, there's no reason why you can't do it somewhere else. And Mansfield, Mansfield might just be that place. The other, and the flip side of that, not that I didn't just entirely enjoy that back and forth between you, but the pair of you, that was exquisite. I love, I love it when that happens. Um, our footballing league expertise legends in George and Harry um, that was there. Um, but going on to what you've just said about uh, Club and Burton there, I think it, what it is with um, Burton Albion, it was a right recipe for success. Like they had the groundwork, they... They had an owner that seemed to be invested and wanted them to actually progress. They had a, a, a decent, stable squad. But from what I can see with this Mansfield side, they don't have any of that. Yeah, and I think what maybe helped Clough a little bit at Burton was that he he had that connection to the club. Um, uh, I think that link is sometimes overstated, but I think in this case it was important because um, Burton's very much... Um, community orientated and they know that in by being in the football league they're probably punching above their weight a little bit but in someone like Clough who had that profile but also had that link he was able to take them further um, but I do think he can do the same with Mansfield I think um, he if he's given time to do it which I expect he will be then I think he can get success there. What do you take on his comments that he said after the game about being he's feeling like impatient and 
frustrated I mean he's like you said like he needs more time but if he's already getting frustrated and impatient with his team like what do you make of that yeah I think you can understand his frustrations because um, no one would enjoy drawing all of these games and struggling to pick up wins but I think it's maybe a case of just seeing missed chances go by every single week. There was one on Saturday um, from Jamie Reid who made the step up to the Football League from Torquay United last summer. He's come in as a striker and has only managed five league goals this term. Um, so it's kind of players like that who, who he maybe sees on the training pitch that they've got something about them and they bang them in in training. I know it's a cliche, but you know they bang them in in training and they get in an actual game and can't stomach it. So maybe it's to do with that. Um, but I think frustration is understandable. It's like we said, we saw a burst. I know it's not the same situation, but get the players you want. And normally that's a better recipe for success. I don't know. Nice loan signings in players in the league above might have contracts running out that can't be re-signed and we'll see what happens with them. I think that is a perfect place to finish. Um, what we will um, do is we will be back um, on this time next week. Um, after both the both sets of Easter fixtures for the EFL and um, a set of fixtures for the Premier League. Yes, George, you have your hand up. I just wanted to say that the Easter weekend is kind of very often seen as sort of very decisive as a point in the season, particularly in the EFL, because they play two games and, you know, there's only a few games left. So it could be a bumper weekend of results. Um, and I think by the time we are back here next week, um, we'll have a clearer picture of what sort of situation each team is in. So I'm looking forward to that, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say much more. Like, he, he gate-crashed my ending and made it better. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. That's what Mr George Wilson does for me. So to say that, I'm going to say goodbye to him last. Goodbye to you, Mr Harry Tizard. Goodbye. I believe my handle is H underscore Tizard. So that'd be much appreciated if you could drop a follow there. Goodbye, Miss Nikita Henschel Gomes. Goodbye. Um, my Twitter handle is in, and if you could give a follow, that would be great. And finally, goodbye, Mr. George Wilson. Yeah, um, the main thing, of course, is that you, you follow the podcast Twitter, but mine is GWilson1000. Until next week, everyone.